Hey everybody and welcome to podcast 117. I finished The Last of Us, so I give my final thoughts on that. There was some stuff in it I really don't agree with, so I ramble a bit about the ESRB and what happened with that. And I went to see Pacific Rim, so I talk about that in the last bit. Enjoy the show! So my final thoughts for The Last of Us are as follows. The characters are really well thought out and very deep. Obviously, they thought through the characters' past and where the characters are going in terms of the story. The story is really good. The game is sort of chaptered with rendered in-game scenes, sort of giving more story and, you know, what's happening in the transition. About two-thirds of the way through, it gets sort of into the final ending bits of the story. The story doesn't really change, and it turns into pretty much just a series of areas where you do heavy combat. So it changes from this really heavily story-driven exploration journey into this really heavy conflict with a lot of shooting and just an insane amount of killing. And all the way through, the killing is really extremely violent. But Ellie sort of balanced it out by being grossed out by it, and it was kind of necessary and unavoidable in some situations. And in the end, that's really kind of taken to the extreme, because the combat gets really heavy. And even though the span of the game takes less time than an entire year, by that point in the game, Ellie is really hardened to all the violence. She doesn't get grossed out by things anymore. And in fact, minor spoiler, it flips to you becoming Ellie as the main character. And you stay just as her for a little while, and then you'll flip back and forth between her and Joel, who is the main character through the story up until that point. So I would say because of the extreme change from one style of gameplay to another, because of the constant extreme violence, because of what I disagree with about all of the extreme child violence being done by Ellie as well as being done to Ellie, I would rate this about 4 out of 5 or maybe 85% out of 100. I understand why they had all of the extreme violence and I understand why they changed to Ellie becoming you know, the main character. But I really think that puts a very dark spin on the story and adds a lot of stuff that really takes it beyond the mature rating, and I'm really surprised that the reviews I've seen about it don't actually talk about this point. I think it's a pretty critical point, and I get into it quite a bit in my next section. I would recommend against picking up The Last of Us if you are a parent of a child, especially a young child, and even more so a young female child. So I guess that is it for my final thoughts in terms of review for The Last of Us. It's a thing, this job, but somebody's got to do it. 
off the tissue inch by inch, skinning off the muscles too. Harvesting my kidneys for the fall, saving up the livers in the fridge. No one ever thanks me when I'm done. How self-absorbed people can be. As previously mentioned, in this bit, I'm going to talk about the impact of extreme violence, and in specific, the role of companion characters in this particular case that really upset me. We're talking about Ellie, who is the companion in The Last of Us, who is a 14-year-old girl. From the start of the game up until about eight hours in, I think it was, Ellie is a side companion. You can't interact with her really at all except for you know in terms of story and conversation she is effectively invulnerable to all damage i mean she can get attacked and if she does a little you know help me kind of symbol will appear and you'll have i don't know i'd say maybe half a minute to a minute to rescue her before she died i never had any situations where that timer went so long the companion died but effectively all of your companions are you know basically completely invulnerable in some situations, it actually makes more sense to, you know, have the really heavy bad guys attack them first. Because if they attack you, you just die in like one second. You're instantly killed. So they are actually pretty good as a defensive shield tactically. But speaking sort of psychologically, you know, it's this person that you want to, you know, take care of and guard and you're guiding through this journey. And much like I believe I talked about with Bioshock Infinite, companion characters are a really good way to tie the player into sort of this world, as well as, you know, the certain role of being a protector. And, you know, companion is good for taking the lead, and, you know, they'll stand in a certain spot and wait for you. And that's your hint that, you know, this is the way that we're supposed to be going. So they're also good in that respect. In this particular case, Ellie has a real aversion to violence. She has grown up in this post-apocalyptic zombie world, so she is no stranger to violence. You know, she starts out very innocent, and she hasn't really done any violence herself. She has seen a lot of death, and she gets into that story kind of at the end of the game. But you get this feeling that she's sort of this innocent girl, and when you do these really gross kills and get really violent, she gets kind of grossed out and upset by it. But as I mentioned, around about 8, maybe 10 hours into the game, that changes. She has to kill somebody, and she's very remorseful about it. But very quickly after that, she starts killing people, and she's not really grossed out, and she's not really remorseful. And then in one particular part in the game, the main character gets injured, and you take over playing as Ellie. And that's really where I almost completely rage quit the game. The game is rated mature. It does have a warning of, you know, it may contain intense violence. But I really think that isn't quite a strong enough warning in this case. In this game, there is extreme violence, period. There's no may contain about it. When you get shot, blood will spew out and go splorch on the ground. When you get in close and do a melee shiv kill, you'll hit them and, you know, blood will fly everywhere from the stabbing or you know in some cases they'll grab you and stab you and there's explosions which you know there's not extra blood or anything but you know explosions and bodies flying around and there's 
shotguns, and if you shotgun somebody in the face, their head disappears. So these are all, you know, really extremely violent acts in and of themselves. As I said, in the early part of the game, Ellie is kind of grossed out by it, so you are kind of balanced out, and you sort of feel like, you know, I have to do this stuff in order to stay alive. I have to do this stuff in order to protect Ellie. But once you hit that point where the story switches over to Ellie, she's the one doing all this extremely violent stuff, and all this extremely violent stuff is now happening to her. In one particular point, you're doing a boss fight, and boss fights in this game are really incredibly difficult. This boss fight in particular was one where I didn't die quite as much as I normally do, but I died at least, I would guess, a dozen times. And with each death, you are treated to a pretty horrific death scene. Ellie will be shot in the head, almost point blank, and, you know, blood will spray everywhere. The guy has a machete, so he will chop you in the neck, and then blood will spray everywhere. Or he'll skewer you through the chest, and, you know, you'll see the machete go through the little girl. And this is a human person. This is not a zombie. He's not, you know, non-human. He's completely, totally human. Now, I get that he's supposed to be, you know, a really horrible person, and I get that, you know, they're people who are doing really bad things and probably deserve to be killed. But all of this violence done by Ellie, and especially this boss fight done to Ellie, where you'll die and die and die and die and die, I really think that is way beyond the limits of what should be covered in a mature rating. I think if you're going to do something like this, you should have its own specific rating that warns about child violence. As part of my recommendation, I would not recommend this for parents of young children because this is just some really horrible imagery that I would not recommend to anybody, you know, who is a parent or cares about little ones. And the thing that shocks me is this isn't covered in the ESRB rating at all. There is actually no qualifier for child violence. And from the video reviews I've seen, I don't ever remember them saying anything about it, and there certainly isn't anything in the written reviews that I've read. And this, I think, is a huge disservice to the people who are possibly going to be playing this game. As I said, when I got to this point, I almost completely rage quit the game and just stopped playing because it was so horrible and something I didn't want to see. But I gave it the benefit of the doubt. I said, you know, if the reviewers haven't mentioned this, it's probably not that bad. So I continued. And, you know, there was that main section where you play Ellie and then it sort of flips back and forth. And it isn't, you know, quite as terrible in scenes after that. But it does still flip back and forth between Joel and Ellie, you know, a few times. So there are other scenes where you're playing as Ellie. And again, you know, she is committing these acts of terrible violence and terrible violence is being committed to her. So I really don't think that should be ignored by the rating. I guess there's not really much we can do about it unless you want to, you know, take up a letter writing campaign to somebody to get that added into the rating. But I really wonder, you know, why as a community we haven't already added that in and why the game developers felt it was so necessary to have that be such a prominent part in the game. And the biggest question, of course, is why have reviewers not gotten onto this? Why aren't they talking about this? Why aren't they calling out Naughty Dog and saying, hey, you guys went really too far with this? And I really think that's something we should do because, in my opinion, it's just gone way too far this time.
Pacific Rim is out, and I decided to go see it, and I'm actually very happy that I did. It pretty much is how it comes off in advertisements, that it is, you know, a classic monster movie. But we haven't seen any, you know, classic giant monster movies in quite some time. The only ones I can even recall in recent times which, you know, had giant monsters were not traditional, you know, giant monster smashing the city kind of movies. One was sort of a restart, which was a while ago, and most people probably won't remember it, and it was kind of really horrible because it took the previously awesome series in a totally different direction that just did not work. Then the other one was sort of a found footage thing, so most of the time you didn't even really see the giant monster, you just saw a few flashes until the very end. And while interesting, it was certainly not a traditional monster movie. But Pacific Rim was super good. I liked it a lot. It is a science fiction, I guess you could call it a mashup of the classic giant monster movies, mixed up with the giant robot slash mech movies. The first bit of the movie takes place five years after the first kaiju attack, which is pretty much supposed to be modern times, you know, plus five years. So the tech isn't really all that different, except for, you know, the giant jaggers which are the giant mechs they build. And then sort of after that, you know, it's a pretty quick section, but it sort of introduces us to the world and what's going on and how it's changed. The next bit takes place six years after that, I think they said. So the world has changed a bit more, but not a whole lot, because as they've been taking an increasing number of monster attacks, the world has gotten, you know, further and further beaten up, more and more economies crumble, And they're having a harder and harder time fighting back, you know, the giant monsters and they're kind of losing the war. And it's that point where the bulk of the movie takes place. There are a few nods to the traditional giant monster movies, most notably the kind of silly names that they give the giant monsters. I could swear I'd also heard the size classing referenced in, you know, previous giant monster movies. But I couldn't find any reference to that on the web. So that might just be my remembering incorrectly, or it might be true. I don't know. Certainly not going to go back and watch them all to check for it. That would be silly. There are some cool things they did add that have not previously been, you know, in that style of movie before. Due to how the neural network connection thing between the pilots and the giant mechs work, there have to be two pilots. And that allows for some cool relationship dynamic stuff between the various pilots, as well as, you know, the different teams of pilots. There's a romance story in there, which wasn't at all really implied in the advertising, which was a nice surprise to see. There's an explanation of why the giant monsters are attacking. Usually in giant monster movies, it's just like, oh, the monster's attacking, and they never say why, other than, you know, maybe it came from space or something. And although very short, there are some different stories behind the different mechs and the different pilots, and that's very cool to see. It would have been nice to see more of that, but I think they kind of wanted to focus, you know, in terms of the direction of the movie. It was still like two plus hours long, so it was still pretty long as it was. Maybe there will be more in like the extended version when they release on physical media. I saw it in 3D, and it was pretty cool and did add something, though I don't know if the 3D is quite as critical as it has been in other recent films. 
a lot of the battles do take place out in the ocean, and the battles are very well defined, so you can see kind of what's going on. But, you know, it's pretty much just one giant monster versus one giant mech. So there's not really a whole lot that, you know, the 3D adds to the battles since they're all pretty much just kind of melee or very close range fights. So up to you if you want to see it in 3D or not. I always prefer things in 3D, but that's me. You know, some people don't like it or can't see it or, you know, it's just too expensive. And So, you know, totally up to you. I would say the movie is definitely worth seeing on the big screen, especially if you have a theater in your area that does, you know, IMAX or IMAX 3D. You know, you get the super big visual and sound effects, and it would be pretty cool to see that way. I would say you can see it alone or with friends. Really up to you. And I would say you might want to also grab popcorn because it is pretty fun. Although popcorn in the theaters tends to be kind of pricey, you know, depending on where you are, I suppose, in the country. It's probably pretty pricey everywhere you go these days, but that's totally up to you if you want to grab it or not. It is kind of fun and lighthearted. There's actually a few places in the movie which are kind of comedic. Not hilarious, it's certainly not a total comedy, but it had more humor than I expected it to have. But I would say it's a very cool movie, and go see it, and hopefully you'll have a good time with it. News for this time is as follows. If you are into card games, in particular Munchkin, there is an expansion called Munchkin Legends, which is exclusive to Target. I don't know if it's limited run or if it's just exclusive, but if you are really into Munchkin, you might want to check it out and pick it up at Target. I think you can do it online if you don't have one local to you, but you might want to check that out. Again, the Steam Summer Sale is going on until the 22nd, so if you are into Steam, you might want to see if there's any games that you are interested in. Don't forget, they change every day. So you might want to check in now and then and see if there's anything cool you are looking for. RAPD is now out. I'll probably talk about that on next podcast. The Wolverine is due out next week. Elysium is due out on August 9th. That is a science fiction movie done by the same people who did District 9. It looks kind of cool, but I always have a big problem with that kind of movie. It's like, oh, there's this one guy and he's going to go do the thing that nobody else on the whole planet could do. It's like, what? Why is this guy the only guy that can do this? So hopefully they have some answers for that. You know, I'm sure they would explain why. But I always see stuff like that, and I'm like, why is this guy the only guy on the whole planet? So that should be interesting to see when that comes out. And that's all the news for this time.
So that's it for this Rabbit Zombies podcast. Not really sure what else to say. Not much really going on in my life. Maybe I'll have another PlayStation thing to talk about next time. I'll have a few chances to rent some stuff between when I finish this podcast and put out the next. So maybe something will catch my interest and I'll talk about that. Past few days I've been sneezing a lot and had a lot of congestion, but now I'm feeling a little bit better. So I guess maybe I had a cold and I'm getting over it. I don't know if any weirdness will come up on the recording in terms of, you know, my voice sounding different or anything. I don't think it does, but, you know, it's it's mostly gone now, so that should be okay. And like I said, not really much going on in my life besides the stuff I talked about. So I guess that is it for this time, and hopefully I'll see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye. There is one final thing to note that I would... There is one final thing to note, which at... Uh, except for, you know, the giant jaggers, which are the jig... Yeah. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation... You can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you friend me, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at rabbitdotcom. It's rabbit.com, but with not a period. When you type rabbit's ramblings, don't use the space, and be sure to put the number one in place of I whenever you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright 2013 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.